Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. I have a a very simple uh, responsibility today, and that is that I'm going to introduce some very special guest speakers. Um, First of all, let me just mention that today we launch a new series called Rich Relationships. Most of you are aware that we've been in a uh, teaching series since uh, early September uh, based in Proverbs. And we continue that theme today by digging into relationships, which is a huge theme in Proverbs. Now, I've asked guests to come to bring a different perspective that than I may bring, and I didn't ask them to dig into Proverbs. I wanted them to uh, share uh, whatever they felt like was uh, their most uh, beneficial message for us today. But next week, I'm going to, by God's grace, be back and teaching, and I'm going to be digging into marriage and the family. Uh, I am particularly, for the first time in a number of years, going to do some teaching around parenting, and uh, uh, I think this is an incredibly challenging time, particularly for parents, and I'm going to dig into some things, uh, and I'll go ahead and, and warn you now, some things, controversial things that uh, uh, I'm concerned about in terms of what parents and families are facing in our culture today. And uh, I'm going to take some things on that I haven't, uh, was in some cases, ever before, okay? So that's going to start next week. So be prepared to be bored, fully bored, next Sunday. But this Sunday is exciting. Uh, I, I want to introduce new friends to you, uh, Melvin and Ashley Cross, um, and... Um, I, I, uh, met Melvin in, um, Montana here a few months ago. We're, uh, these are new friends of ours. And, um, we, I'd actually been invited of all things on a, a fly fishing trip out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. And if you know me at all, I'm not a fisher kind of guy. Uh, but I was invited by uh, Wayne Francis, who many of you will remember, a favorite speaker of ours around here, uh, to go and hang out with a small group of pastors. And um, uh, we, we had an amazing time. I didn't actually enjoy the fishing that much. D- you didn't either? But, but we had an amazing time. And uh, uh, so uh, these guys, pastor, uh, wonderful church in Rochester, New York. And I should have brought my notes up. I thought I had it all memorized. It's Glory House International, right? And uh, uh, Melvin started this church six years ago, seven years ago. And um, when when Ashley said yes to his proposal of marriage, she joined him in Rochester five years ago. Now, uh, this is a, a very impressive couple. Um, Ashley uh, has her doctorate in educational leadership. She started the first girls' home ever in the history of Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, for uh, girls transitioning out of foster care. And uh, you'll see her name. I saw her name recently on a list of like top 100 women who whatever. She says she hasn't seen that, but I saw it. Uh, Naj, you find that for me for the next service, if you would. And um, 
uh, and uh, Melvin is finishing his doctorate uh, in June. If if she says he'll finish it if he can stay off social media. So this is a challenge that's happening between the two of them. And they have three children, one an adopted uh, uh, daughter in her 20s who comes from uh, your world in Tulsa and some of the work that you were doing there. And then they have two young children, including Madison over here on the front row, who's uh, sleeping. Uh, I'm, I'm used to looking at that, but usually only adults when I'm preaching, but that's a whole other story. So we are so thrilled that you guys joined us today. Thank you for being here. Hey, everybody, would you give the Crosses a great big TLCC welcome? Good morning, TLCCC. How's everybody doing today? Great, great. Now, I, I wanted to go on the record real quick and just say that I do want Melvin to win this bet. Okay, I know we have a bet regarding him staying off of social media, um, but I'm cheering for you. Thank you. I want you to win. <laughs> she made it very, she gave me a great incentive. You know, when money's at play, you know, that gives us a little more incentive to go on. So I'll, it's been about a month now. Yeah. And I'm going to um, knock this out the park. So we're excited. We're glad to be with you all this morning. And we're excited to just be able to share a little bit of our journey and our story about marriage. Um, when God wants to sanctify anybody, um, he uses, one of the tools he uses is marriage. Marriage is such a beautiful union. It's a covenant. And we're just excited to be able to share this time with you guys and Pastor Terry, we thank you for having us, Sharon. It's great to finally meet you. Um, and so, yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. So this sermon does come with one major disclaimer, um, and that is that we are not perfect, um, nor have we mastered anything that we're going to talk about today. Um, we, it's, it's funny when we said that we were going to be coming out here to talk about marriage, someone was like, oh yeah, I remember when you guys first got married and you did a Facebook live on marriage and we both chuckled and was like, yeah, we didn't really know what we were talking about. <laughs> we've learned so much, even in the short period of time that we've been married. So that is a disclaimer. We are still trying to perfect much of what we're even going to talk to you guys about. Um, we're going to lead from a principle of transparency. That is something that we practice in our relationship. And it's something that we even practice when we're ministering. We want to be transparent, open, and honest with you guys. And anybody who's married in this room, you, all, you also understand that you are learning day by day. I don't care if you've been married for 30 years or whether you've been married for two, it still feels like you're learning your spouse, you're learning what it is to be married. Can I get a witness in this room today? <laughs> Thank you. We always <laughs> say that our marriage is far from perfect, but it is healthy. It's growing. It's alive. We're learning about ourselves, each other, and God. The purpose of marriage really is to glorify God, is so that people can see this covenant marriage, and it will show them a depiction of Christ's love for us. And so that is what we always aim um, to make sure that our marriage is doing just that. And so the goal is never a perfect marriage, but it is always a healthy marriage, right? So perfection, that's nothing we ever strive for, but we strive to be healthy. And so before we dive into the scriptures, let us tell you a little bit about our story. Ashley and I met in 2007 back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, while we were, we were both students at Oral Roberts University, and we attended the same church. It wasn't until we graduated that um, we just started communicating, and she was 
um, my non-for-profit consultant as we were planting the church. And when she was consulting, I was like, this is my chance to get in good. And so while we're talking on the phone, I went to her Facebook page. I was like, this girl is fine. Like, I need to, I can't miss this opportunity. And the rest is history. She fell madly in love with me. And that's all y'all need to know. I made him pay me for my services and he still has not gotten a refund. Um, But no, we, so we, we. We're long distance the entire time we were dating. We we got engaged about six months after being in a relationship. We were engaged for about eight months. And then I moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Rochester, New York. And it was a shock. It was a huge shock going from long distance, really marrying a man who was he was actually my pastor, you guys. He was our young adult pastor at, at the, the church, church and we were strictly platonic. It was just a friendship that we had. And so for us, it was really like, and we were joking around this other day. I was like, our honeymoon, that whole week, I was like, I'm married to a stranger. Like, I don't really know this guy the way that I thought I knew him. Um, and so we have had this beautiful process of becoming one. And, and that's now, really what we're going to talk yeah. a lot about today. And when we say becoming one, you know, in the scripture says, and the two shall become one, and we're going to get into that. Ashley's idea of us becoming one is me becoming more like her. <laughs> and Melvin's idea of becoming one is Ashley becoming more like Melvin. And we couldn't be, we are very different from one we're another. We're actually polar opposites. We're polar opposites. She's type A, I'm type B. Um, she lives by her full focus planner. I'm like, let's just see what the day presents. <laughs> And I, I think you guys know that kind of drives her crazy. And then her type A drives me crazy. And then we kind of meet somewhere in the middle. And that's the beauty of marriage. It's compromise. It's learning to serve and honor your spouse. So Dr. Miles Monroe used to always say something that I thought was so profound. He would say, relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. And all this means is that relationships, every, every kingdom principle flows from a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. That essentially we can get everything that we need on earth through our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And relationships, what they do is they help us to grow in our Christ-like nature. And that is why we need one another. We make each other more like Christ in our relationships with one another is a demonstration of God's love to one another. Have you ever heard somebody say, all I need is God, all I need is Jesus, and I'll be fine? That's not true. God made this so that we would have an interdependence on one another. So relationships, specifically marriage, can make us holy. In fact, that's the foundational purpose of marriage is to make us more like Christ. So It's like we grow in grace, we get to grow in grace, we get to grow in forgiveness, we get to grow in sacrifice, love, and gentleness. This is all forming us to be more like Christ. Matter of fact, much of what we read in the Bible and much of what we experience with God, we actually get to practice it with one another, right? You really don't know if you have become more like Christ just by reading about him, right? You need a safe place to to exercise the principles to that we to, to practice this, to walk it, it out, right? And so today, whether you are single, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, or maybe even divorced, this sermon is for you. Um, singles, the worst thing that you can do as a single is wait for a spouse to become a spouse, right? To become, to understand what it means to be a good spouse. The entire time that you're single, you are preparing yourself. You are preparing yourself for your spouse. And as a single person, all of my relationships before marriage, they actually helped me to become a good wife. 
right? So it was learning not to throw my friends away when we disagree that taught me the extent grace to Melvin. It was letting my girlfriends know when they have put me down or they have let me down that actually cultivated that gift of communication that now helps me in my marriage with Melvin. Healthy relationships prepare you for marriage, but marriage also helps to mature you in ways to where you're a better friend, you're a better parent, right? So it's not this, it's not this concept that I can practice being a good spouse and then let all the rest of my relationships crumble, or I can practice being a really good friend and then give my spouse the second, the third, the fourth pieces of me. And so all of these begin to intermingle and intertwine into each other when we become relationally healthy people. Now, just uh, just for one, I'd love to hear her talk. So I can see her and just hear her talk like, man, that's so good. She's just so, <laughs> girl, smart, y'all. <laughs> one thing that we really need to understand as well is that I, sometimes we put unhealthy expectation on marriage. We expect marriage to fulfill all of our desires, all of our wildest dreams. But the reality is that only Christ can deeply satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. Somebody say amen to that. Only Christ can really satisfy the deep longing of our souls. There is not a single relationship, including our marriage, that can complete us or fulfill us. So as we grow in Christ, that is the impetus for the growth in every other relationship. Your spouse actually benefits when you grow in Christ. And so we should be encouraging one another. We should be um, um, really helping, assisting one another to grow in our faith. So today, let's dive into some text. Um, I want you guys to turn with us to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to read verses uh, 5 through 9. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. From the beginning of creation, God made the male and the female. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And so this is a scripture that we often hear during wedding ceremonies, what God has put together, let no man separate. This is the reality. We see in this text, the Pharisees trying to trip Jesus up by asking him about divorce. And Jesus lays it out very plainly. He says, the hardness of your hearts is the only thing that can ruin a marriage. A heart that is unwilling to forgive, a heart that is unwilling to grow, and a heart that is unwilling to fight for what really matters. How many people know that we have to be willing to fight for what matters? Ashley and I, we always talk about the process of becoming one. And it's always interesting as we grow and as we build together. So becoming one is a sense of consistent friction. Friction is not necessarily a bad thing. Friction is a healthy thing. As we are becoming one, we're sharpening one another. Mm-hmm. We're like, have you ever, before you got married, when you, well, when you got married, you were like, man, I didn't realize how selfish I was. Or I didn't realize how unrealistic I I am. Now, you didn't just become unrealistic when you got married. Now you just have a healthy mirror to help you realize that this is an area you need to work on. That's not always comfortable, but it is necessary. I think that's something that you need to write down. It may not always be comfortable, 
but it is necessary. How many people know sometimes we run from necessary things because it's not always comfortable? And what happens with this becoming one is it begins to sometimes expose the things that we did not always know were there. I thought when me and Melvin got married that I was whole. I thought that I was completely healed, that all childhood trauma was completely dealt with, that all of my fear of disappointment, I had dealt with all of that until I was looking this man in his face during our first argument and I didn't have anywhere to run. Then I realized, whoa, hold on. This actually, there are still some things there that I was not able to work out in my singleness, right? We have this misconception that you, you will be whole before you get married. There is a certain sense of wholeness that you should experience, but there is something about the friction of a spouse within the context of a covenant marriage that pulls things out of you that you cannot do in your single. You can't, it just won't, your single season won't expose those things. Right. Because when I'm single, I don't have to sacrifice as much as I do within the context of marriage. And so I remember there were times when we had first gotten married that I wanted to run, that I wanted to run. And so I spent the first year, we really spent the first year of our marriage trying to make the other person conform into what we believed that our marriage really needed. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to give you five foundational truths about marriage, five foundational truths about marriage that can be found within scripture. Um, and so let, let's dive right in. So the first one is marriage is built on commitment. Marriage is built on commitment. A great relationship is built on the level of sacrifice that you are willing to give. I remember when Melvin and I first got married. And we, um, he moved me from, from Tulsa into a, a 500 square foot apartment. I mean, it was nine, 900 square feet, not five. <laughs> Give me my props. It was more than 500. It felt like 500 <laughs> square feet apartment. Um, and I remember our first argument, I got in the car and I drove to a hotel. And Melvin called me and he said, Ashley, this is not okay. And I said, I just need some time. I just need some time. He said, Ashley, I'm your husband. I'm no longer your boyfriend. And you're treating me like I'm your boyfriend. I am your husband. I need you to come home now. Jeez. And I remember like. I think back to that, I was like, man, that was a dope, that was a dope move right there. <laughs> he knows my characteristics. I like, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. And so like for me in that moment, I was like, whoa, oh, Okay. This is what marriage is about. It's about going home when I don't feel like going home. It's about committing to him when I don't feel like committing. It's about doing the opposite of what my emotions are telling me to do in that moment. That is what commitment looks like. And so real love is not tested until you don't feel it. That's real good. love is not tested until you don't feel it. That takes commitment. When we're in marriage, seasons change. And sometimes for us, it feels like seasons are always changing with a growing church and young family and careers and different things. You, you start to realize that sometimes it's very easy for your commitment to slip into other things. It's, it's easy to be very committed to your children it's easy to be committed to your career. It's easy to be committed to our growing, our growing church. But one thing that we have to realize is that our commitments first has to be to each other. And if we're first committed to each other, then everything else around us begins to flourish. Our children will flourish if they see our commitment to each other. So one is commitment. 
Two, marriage is sustained by grace. Marriage is sustained by grace. So giving respect is an obligation. It's an obligation, not a favor. Giving respect is an obligation, not a favor. It is an act of maturity that is birthed out of our profound understanding of God's good grace. How many people in here has ever been a recipient of God's grace? That's all of us. So you know the beauty and the freeing feeling that you experience when you receive God's grace. That is the same experience that we should give our spouses. They will see the best part. Our spouses will see the best parts of us. They will see the worst parts of us. Marriage cannot be sustained without continual grace. I mean, you must wake up and extend grace. You must go to bed and extend grace. Grace is going to be the thing that sustains and it brings a healthy marriage. We are all recipients of God's grace. And it's a beautiful thing. And so we should extend that same level, that same beauty of grace to our spouses. I am forever grateful that I have not received the right penalty of my sins because of God's grace. And so it is with our marriage. Such it is a grace that is extended to our spouses. So instead of flying off of the handle, remember that you at one point received God's grace and you should extend the same grace. And this is something that we always try to remember. We're never fighting against each other. We're fighting for each other. When we realize that we are on the same team, it makes it easy for us to extend grace because if I hurt her, guess who's the one responsible for restoring her? Mm -hmm. I am. I always say that, you know, wives, if you use your words to tear down your husband, husbands, if you use your words to tear down your wife, guess who's left to pick up the pieces and try to rebuild them? It's us. If I say something that hurts Melvin, it's going to be me at the end of the day that's trying to rebuild him to try to restore that confidence, to try to tell him, no, that, that, that's not what I meant, right? So it's, it's literally like tearing your house down just to take your hands and then be left to try to rebuild what you tore down. Husbands, have you ever had an argument with your spouse and you didn't quite know how to kind of fix it, so it's time to go to bed, so you just put your foot next to her foot? <laughs> like you're trying to rub your foot on her foot, and she's like, move your foot off a little bit. You know, that's always interesting. So we're responsible for building one another up. Grace is letting him rub his feet on me when I don't feel like being touched, right? <laughs> and it's just like, oh my gosh, you, you have gotten on my last nerve tonight, but you can rub your feet on me. <laughs> so the third foundational truth about marriage is marriage is strengthened by vulnerability. No, true. Marriage is strengthened by vulnerability. So I came from a family where uh, my mother invited me to talk to her about whatever I needed to talk to her about. But then on the other opposite end of that, my father um, was not so open to that. Um, he was actually the, the complete opposite. He and my mother separated when I was in the high school and was, were divorced by the time I got to college. And one thing that I learned very early on was that my vulnerability would always lead to contention. That if I told someone that they hurt my feelings, it would lead to contention. If I spoke up for myself, it would lead to contention. And so what it does, what, what it, it, it trained me, it programmed my mind to shut myself down in the moments that sometimes I just speak up and let someone know how I feel. Or don't let someone know how you feel because they won't know what to do with it. 
They won't know how to respond. They won't know how to gently restore, right? And so I brought that thought process in the context of marriage, and it was very unhealthy in the beginning because I was shut down for days. I was shut down for days. And my excuse was always, Melvin, I just need a minute. I just need a minute to process. He's like, well, lady, how long is a minute? It's been three days. And I'm like, I just have to process, right? But there was a fear that I had that I would say something wrong. And so I would spend days rehearsing what I would say so that I wouldn't say something wrong. And what Melvin had to do was he had to learn how to respond to create a safe place of trust and safety so that I could let him know how I felt. Throughout our marriage, I really used to struggle with the idea that Melvin would leave me. I grew up in a family where my mother and my father, they were married for 20-something years before divorcing. And for me, I just could not fathom giving your life to someone for 20-something years and then losing it all. And so one thing that I had to do, I had to be, first, I had to become very vulnerable with God. And when I say, I mean, I had to be very, I mean, become undone with God and say, this is my fear. My fear is that you would lead me to a place of loving this man deeply. And then one moment, just he decides that he wants to ruin it all. He wants to leave. What, what happens if Ashley loves Melvin so deeply? Mm. And, and then I end up hurt or disappointed from this. God, that, I, I'm going to be very hurt. And then I had to share that same level of vulnerability with Melvin. I had to say, babe, this is why sometimes I struggle to be so vulnerable because I'm afraid that this could end up really hurting or disappointing me. And so one thing that I decided to do was I decided to not allow my fears to dictate how deeply I love my husband. I decided that that is the beauty of covenant is that we have made a vow to each other. And not only do I trust my husband, but I trust God with him. Mm, mm, I trust that the same way that God speaks to me and directs my path, that he's doing the same thing for Melvin. Isn't it beautiful to find safety in, in your spouse because you see them communing with God? So beautiful. I tell, my, I tell him all the time that I, I can trust him because I see him talking to God. <laughs> and I trust God. I trust that God is telling him what he should tell him, how to love me, how to correct me, how to comfort me, how to steward me. That is where I find my safety in knowing that we have the same father that loves and trusts us both. And even in that, go ahead. As she said, it's important for us to create an environment where our spouses can feel vulnerable. I had to, you know, like we said, we're polar opposites. It takes her days to process. I'm the guy who likes to talk in the moment. So we had to come to the middle ground. It might not be best to, to address it immediately, so instead of three days, let's cut it down to 24 hours. And I'm better now. Yeah, she's I'm not even 24 now. hours, no. right? And then we went from 24 <laughs> hours to 12 hours. Now we recover very quickly. And that's because I wanted to honor. I, you have to understand the space where your spouse is in. Understand it, extend grace, and then have a conversation about a plan to move things forward. And it's not always my, this is what I want to move it forward. I want to make sure that you feel safe to be vulnerable because vulnerability is a sign of trust. And we want to trust one another with those very sensitive spaces. But I, I also had to understand the harm that I was causing in my three days of silence to him. So it's not just about Melvin conforming to what Ashley needs. It's also about Ashley growing up. 
and maturing. The hardest thing about marriage is realizing, whoa, I'm not as mature as I thought I was. I pride myself on being so mature. Oh my gosh, I'm very immature, right? Having those moments where you say, you got to grow up, Ashley. You have to talk about some things right in the moment. And you have to be able to bridle your tongue and do it, do it in such a way where you are cultivating a space where not only do you feel safe, but your husband feels safe. Are you guys enjoying this? Yes. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm going to go home and go back over these notes and be like, all right, baby, you remember when you said this? <laughs> He's going to hold me to everything I'm saying now. <laughs> so number four, marriage is nourished through intimacy. Intimacy gives marriages the security to be vulnerable and honest. Why? Because you are allowing yourself to really be seen. When you're intimate, you're allowing your spouse to see you as you really are. This is not the facade we give everybody else. This isn't the presentation for your coworkers or the people outside of your house. This is your soul being free to be known by your spouse. Your mind, your will, your emotions. This is the type of intimacy that makes room for, for, for the physical, for, for yes, even physical intimacy. When your spouse feels comfortable, when you are giving that intimacy and allowing them into those vulnerable places, it makes even physical intimacy a little, it makes it safer and it makes you comfortable to really expose yourself. So this is a story about, you know, me being afraid to really be um, intimate in front of my wife. Um, before we got married, um, you know, I would spend most of my time at church doing the work of the ministry, praying and so forth. And I'm not sure if you can relate, but when I'm by myself with God, I'm completely undone. I might be crying or I'm kneeling and I'm just really enjoying my time with God. But when I got married, I was like, this woman is going to think I'm utterly insane. So when she was around, I would do my nice journaling and I would be quiet. And in the moment uh, she was gone, I, she was gone. I thought she was running errands. So I'm praying and I'm just, just really pouring out my heart to God. Next thing I know, the door opens and it's Ashley and our little dog. And she's looking at me with tears streaming down my face. And I'm completely vulnerable in this moment. And I looked up and she smiles at me and she let me finish. She says, I just need you to know this gives me comfort to see you intimate with the father. And as you're intimate with God, I know you can have a safe place to be intimate with me. Intimacy, literally, it nourishes your relationship. It nourishes your marriage. It gives you what's necessary for health and comfort in a marriage. And again, through different seasons of marriage, intimacy looks different. Yes. When you have children, intimacy really has to be guarded. Right. So for us, like Friday night date nights is a thing it's every a thing. single Friday. Our four year old even puts on her shoes and like, are we going on a date? And we're like, no, you're staying here. <laughs> you know, and she's like, no, mommy, no, daddy, don't leave. But she knows because we're training her to understand that you have your time, but mommy and daddy have their time. And you're not allowed to come on our dates. You're not allowed to come in our room. You're not allowed to hang out with us during certain times because this is about mommy and daddy. Right. And so that is how we safeguard our moments of being intimate. We turn off our phones. We turn them around. We say these are the things we will not talk about tonight. We won't talk about church. <laughs> we won't talk about anything that went wrong this week. Let's, let's just let's be intimate with one, each, with, with one another. It's, it's, it's a real thing. The enemy is always after the intimacy of marriages. Mm -hmm. We're talking about co communication. We're talking about 
um, just building humor. And we're talking about physical intimacy. When there's intimacy, it brings spouses closer together. And the enemy wants you to come further and farther apart. What intimacy does is it takes you out of your head. It helps you to not solely live in your head when you have that intimacy with your spouse. It takes you out of isolation, and it puts you back into healthy community with your spouse. And it pulls you out of places of loneliness. Did you know that you could be married and still struggle with loneliness? My God. It's it's because of a lack of intimacy. Intimacy lets you know that you're seen. It lets you know that you're not alone. It lets you know that someone sees you, and they accept you as they see you. Mm. And so there are times where the enemy actually wants us to feel lonely, even though we have a best friend, we have a covenant partner. And so guarding intimacy is the fourth foundational truth. And the last one is marriage flourishes through honor. Everybody say honor. Marriage flourishes through honor. Uh, There is a myth that you just feel your way into action that you feel your way into action, but this, is, this will actually ruin your relationship. This will ruin your relationships, and it will ruin your marriage. Waiting to do until you feel is the quickest way towards having a hard heart. Mm. If I waited for Melvin to be perfect, to honor him, I would never honor him. If Melvin waited for Ashley to be perfect and to deserve every good thing that he gives me, He would never honor me. We spend most of our lives trying to change people and make them into who we feel like they should be before we give them then what we feel like they deserve. But do we know that marriage is all about giving your spouse what they don't always deserve, even when they don't deserve it? It's about when I'm being extremely stubborn and he comes and he is so so meek and so gentle And I'm like, how could you be so gentle? And I know I'm being just a hardhead right now. I enjoy her just saying all of this. (laughs) (laughs) He is eating it up, too. He's just smiling. Husbands, one lesson. When your wife is saying stuff like this, just don't interrupt. Just sit there like, yeah, mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. But the truth is that you must act your way into feeling. Yeah. Marriage is about Acting your way into feeling. Mm -hmm. I once heard someone say that you honor your husband to the level that you want him, not to where he is. That's so good. And that's good, but it's hard. It's hard. That is one of the hardest truths is to honor someone to where you want them to be, where you see them, not necessarily to what they are mounting up to. That's what true honor is. And honor pulls you up. It does. It pulls people up to a standard. It pulls them up to the standard in which the honor has been given. When she honors, or if I'm honoring, when I'm honoring Ashley, I'm honoring her beyond the place where she is because I know that this is just a stop in our journey to who she's becoming. And so I honor the God in her. And so we pull her up to that place and vice versa. When she honors me, it takes me to the place where I know that God is taking us. And to honor someone is, is, is simply just to value them highly. Marriage is all about trying to out-honor each other. If, I'm, if I spend my life trying to out-honor him, and he spends his life trying to out-honor me, neither one of us will ever lose. Neither one of us will ever feel like we're getting the short end of the stick. 
And believe me, there are times in marriage where each party feels like they're getting the short end of the stick. I feel like I'm watching the children more. I feel like I'm cleaning more. I feel like I'm putting more into this. Well, I feel like this. And if we just stop in those moments Mm -hmm. and just lean in and say, babe, what is it that you're, what is it that you need? How can I, how can I help you this week? How can I honor you? How, how can I make you feel like I see you? Or let me just stop in this moment and, and tell you that I do see you. I see your hard work. I see the late hours that you stay up. I see you. Now, in those moments, you might not feel every single thing that's coming out of your mouth. Right? And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to make us... Um, Stop from saying something or, or prevent yourself from honoring someone because you don't necessarily always feel that way. But our marriages would be on a highway to destruction if we always did or said what it is that we feel. We are in control of our feelings. Our, our feelings are submitted under the Holy Spirit. That's right. And if we submit our relationship under the wisdom and the understanding and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then we have everything that we need. Our first major argument, our mother, my mother-in-law said, you guys got all the love in the world. She said, That's not what you guys need. And then you she looked over, love. you don't lack any love. And then she looks over her glasses <laughs> and she said, but what you guys do lack is understanding. Is understanding. And then that moment when she was telling us was, it's not that you don't love each other, it's that you don't understand what each other needs. And you might not actually understand. I'm not going to always understand what Melvin needs by talking to Melvin. Many times I have to go to God. Lord, show me what my husband needs. Because if I ask Melvin, how can I be a better wife? Typically he's like, no, babe, you're good. I'm like, Mel. <laughs> And so this, this is the reality of marriage. It's two human hearts who are sinful people pledging to live with one another forever. That's our faults. That's the best of us. That's the worst of us for the rest of our lives. And so we give each other to the Lord because we know that God has a purpose in a plan for both of us individually and for both of us together. He has a plan for our marriage. And so we want to pray for you today as as we're all on this journey to becoming what God has ordained for us to be. As we are becoming, even in our marriages, the spouse that, the, the husband or the wife that your spouse needs, but most importantly, the man and woman that God desires for you to be. Because when you become that, you know that your spouse will be getting their best, their best spouse. So let's just bow our heads and pray for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, Father. First, we thank you that you've allowed us to experience this beauty of covenant. Father, we say that even in the struggles, in the worst of times, we can trust you in it. We don't just give you our wins, our victories, our high moments, but God, we know that you receive even our low moments, that you receive our struggles and you receive them as an offering. We just ask that you would continue to endow husbands and wives with wisdom, which is the principal thing, and understanding. Father, let us continue to honor one another. You said in Romans 12, to to outdo one another in honor. And so God, give us that ability to continue to honor one another daily 
so that we can be conformed into the very image of your dear son, Jesus. Father, we love you and we appreciate you. And most importantly, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Thank you, TLCC. Thank you. God bless you.